0: Hardy's Signature Frisco Burger and Frisco Breakfast Sandwich are the kind of goodness people drive across town for. Classic favorites on a toasted sourdough bun. Only at Hardy's Goodness in the making. Participation may vary. Impact of influence. The Murdoch family murders. This is the unfolding story of a powerful South Carolina family. The mysterious deaths they are linked to. And our quest to bring you the truth. Hello, friend. So grateful that you're going to spend some time with us. We know there's a lot of options and you're choosing us and that's wonderful. And uh, we hope that you will follow and share the episode and give us a nice huge million star rating. Uh, I am Matt Harris, Seton Tucker on vacation. So she's via phone. Hello, Seton. Hello. How was the beach today?
1: It No, it was cold. I actually had to wear my jacket on the beach. It was freezing. We've not had good weather this week.
0: You are. Come on. Well, you're at the beach, so you kind of win. I am. Um, You can reach out Murdoch podcast on Facebook or questions to Matt Harris podcast at gmail.com. We're going to get to some Stephen Smith stuff in just a little bit, but let's start with some of the. Things that you found out over just the last few hours that we've been getting ready to record.
1: I wanted to report first that there is a federal court telephone conference scheduled in the Alec Murdoch financial crimes hearing for June 23rd at 1030 a.m. And I've gotten some insight on this. Basically, if there's a telephone conference, that means both sides have probably come together and they agree on something, but they need to present it to the judge to make sure the judge agrees also on that. So um, I don't know. It, it's possible that it could be about this plea or something else that that both parties have agreed upon.
0: Interesting. Good job. And what else have you heard about uh, Alec Murdoch, and uh, you said you found out something about federal prison?
1: We had a question from a listener about why Alec Murdoch at this federal court hearing did not request to go to a federal prison and actually spoke with someone and they said that the holding facility for federal crimes is actually the county facility and that's way worse than the state prison. So you would not want that.
0: So you're saying that where he is now is better than a holding place before you go to federal.
1: Right. You would be at the county jail facility, which is a worse situation okay. than the state prison.
0: So he might eventually want to go to federal, but he doesn't want to go there now until has been giving his sentence so he doesn't have to go in the holding area.
1: Yeah, okay. I think uh, obviously federal prison is probably his end game if right. that's his best case scenario, but... In the interim, while he's awaiting his trial on these federal crimes, he's in a better position.
0: Okay. Do you have uh, anything else on now Do you want to move to what's happening with Stephen Smith's case?
1: Let's go. Let's move on to Stephen Smith.
0: Okay. There's uh, multiple reports. Our friend Michael DeWitt has reported on it. Fits News on top of it as well. And it looks like things are moving, according to uh, Eric Bland, He's been talking to the media and releasing statements about the Stephen Smith case and where it might go. And he's one of the attorneys representing Sandy Smith, Stephen's mother. And he said he believed a uh, grand jury has been impaneled in the case based on his conversations, plans, conversations with a Mark Keel, who was a South Carolina State Law Enforcement Division head cheese. And so apparently, there's subpoenas and all this, he said that on court TV. And now, uh, Michael DeWitt said in his column, in his article, that Bland told him there could be arrest made by Labor Day.
1: Yes, they say substantial progress and that the state grand jury was issuing subpoenas and warrants.
0: And so things are moving quickly in that. And it's really crazy if you think back to how long ago the Stephen Smith it looks like it might have been a murder uh occurred it's now been doing the math eight years
1: yeah yeah and you know we haven't really talked a lot about Stephen Smith lately because again it didn't really seem tied to Murdoch Fitz reported that it doesn't appear that the Murdochs are in any way related but I we did think it was a good time to revisit this
0: Right. Remember Buster had given his statement, I don't know how many months ago that was, about he had nothing to do with it, with the Stephen Smith. There was always those rumors out there which were had no nothing to back them up. And it was kind of ridiculous that people were pounding on, on, on Buster about that with absolutely zero evidence of him being involved in any way, shape, or form. And also, as far as sort of forensics, I guess we could call it, uh, Seton, there's something about uh, his body. Yeah, Fitz
1: News reported that their sources say that it appears as if Stephen Smith's body was not moved. So he was murdered at the place that he was found. Mm-hmm. So that was a question I think a lot of people had. And we should note that we have we still are waiting for the results of this second autopsy. Stephen's body was exhumed and there was a second autopsy conducted And we don't know the results of that autopsy at this time.
0: July eighth, twenty fifteen, Stephen Smith found uh, dead in the road. The officers investigating said that this is not a hit and run. And then suddenly, the 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 coroner and the medical examiner—I should say the medical examiner uh, in Charleston—ruled it a hit and run. Very controversial. Many people were very upset. I mean, when I say many people, I mean like people that are in the know, people, uniformed officers who have dealt with this over and over again. Trooper Moore, who we've had on the air, who has seen hundreds of hit and runs, uh, said he didn't believe it was one. And so the case went nowhere for a long time. And then after the murders of Maggie and Paul SLED, South Carolina Law Enforcement Division said they were reopening the case. And we still don't know like what happened if they found out something in that case, or it's a coincidence about the time. Of course, we don't know that yet because we have not heard what was presented to the grand jury. And we don't know, of course, because obviously not been in any news leaks about this, but the people of interest in connection with Smith's death Fitz news reported are 25 year old Patrick Wilson and 25 year old Sean Connolly, both of Brunson, South Carolina. So we thought it'd be a good time to, and Fitz and Will are cool. They uh gave us access to the police interview with Stephanie, Stephen's twin sister, that took place soon after Stephen's body was found. It was July, let's say July 17th, this interview was done. And uh we're gonna give you some of the things that were kind of were interesting in there that we thought let's start with the fact, uh, Seton, in this interview, this is a little bit of the interview with Stephanie. She talks about how Stephen, over the last couple of weeks, started acting differently.
2: When he got into college, the first semester, he was acting normal. And then when he started doing summer classes, that's when he started acting a little funny. And, uh, and when you say funny? He started coming home late. Okay. Like uh, just this recent Monday. He didn't come home until 2 o'clock in the morning. And sometimes he'll send me pictures, like, he sent me a picture of his cat, and his shoe was off, and I was like, are you at mom's? He said, no, I'm still at school. I took my shoe off to get mud off his shoe, and I'm sitting here like, that campus isn't muddy. It's clean and everything. So that didn't add up, but I didn't want to pressure him, so I just left it alone. And, um, you know, he acted normal until just recently.
0: Yes, and if you've heard the interview with Stephanie and with his mom, it is very obvious that the officers don't buy the hit and run thing. In fact, they say that in the interview, and you know, right there, they're going after this a clue because something happened in the last couple of weeks where he was acting differently.
1: Yeah, and we should note that this interview with Stephanie was what nine days yeah. after his death. Right. And so she's probably really still processing this whole situation of her, her twin brother being dead and trying to make sense of it. Absolutely.
0: I mean, there's, uh, and then you're also in this police room being interviewed and trying to rack your brain about who might've done this. And so the interview goes on and they start talking about, uh, this hangout on the July 4th weekend. So remember that Stephen's body found on the 8th, at. uh, this Bobcat Landing and there was a fight. Here's that conversation.
2: Well, my mom said he started going over to her house. He would skip school some days and go to her house and stay there until two or three o'clock in the morning. And um, she said he started hanging out at this place called Bobcat Landing. And um, he got an altercation there. Um, This is what my sister, it's on her phone. It was text messages between her and Steven. And he was asking her to come help him because cops got called out and he was getting an argument with somebody. I don't know exactly who it was, but I know it was around the same exact time that this incident happened.
1: I don't really find it super unusual. I mean, kids at that age, they skip school. They're going to go hang out with people at different places. So, I don't really find it. That's unusual that he was doing that, but it could be a clue into his death investigation.
0: Also, uh, Bobcat Landing is not too far from uh, Brunson, which is where the, the names we met, the people of interest, if you will, are from. The, na- the names we we gave you earlier—they're from Brunson—and you and know, I, I googled it and looked it up, and it's 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 right there, pretty much. So maybe there's something there. We don't know yet. So later in the conversation this guy mark shows up here's how he enters the picture did you know did he have any type of boyfriends or anything like that
2: steven's never had a relationship that's one thing that got me when this guy said i'm his boyfriend because he's not steven's type okay and because steven liked skinny kind of built light-skinned guys okay And, you know, when this guy's like I'm his boyfriend, I'm just like, uh, no, you're more of a sugar daddy. And he got mad at me for saying that, but I was just, you know, explaining to him. And he don't want to talk to me because everything he told me about Stephen, I'm sitting here calling him a liar because... Can
0: you tell me some of the things that he told you about Stephen?
2: He told me Stephen was in an escort service. And I know for a fact Stephen wasn't because he never left the house like that. And I think you got to be at least 21, I think. Okay. And um, he said he did it out in Charleston, and he was making about 3800 a night and stuff like that. And uh, he said him and Steven met at a club, and I told him that was a lie because we only went to one club, and that was Club Panthenon in Charleston because it was 18 and older. And he didn't meet anybody there because I was stuck on him like glue. I wouldn't let him go anywhere.
0: This dude is a strange, man, because he is, is inserting himself into the family. And they, the family's like, we know Stephen tells us everything. And she talks about how Stephen was such a good guy. And she knows him, that if he ever had that kind of money, she's pretty, first of all, he never had that kind of money. But if he did, he would have spent it on his family, like his dad and his mom and his sister and his niece and nephew. And so she's saying it's he's, he's full of it. And Mark's claiming to have paid for Stephen's stuff. Eventually St- Stephanie says that Steven said someone had paid for his phone bill, his phone and gave him 200 bucks for scrubs. But she says that Stephen never mentioned Mark's name. So he wasn't an important person in his life.
1: You know, I, I don't know what to make of, of it. I think that possibly, I, I mean, I'm assuming law enforcement has investigated this person. Yeah. You know, we we've seen another true crime scenarios that people come forward and they say these things and sometimes they're true and sometimes they're not. I
0: don't know. And this Mark dude, according to Stephanie was like trying to prove that he was the boyfriend. I don't know why he's trying to climb on like that. So he showed up a sort of picture of him and Steven together and said they had a fight over a 22 year old and it just, really strange he's trying to insert himself into the family i'm not sure why take a little break and uh, get you ready for some traveling you've got coming up some international trip where you want to be able to at least get around right so you want to learn the language of the country that you're going to you want to experience it with a little bit of knowledge going in and you can get a lot of bit of knowledge when you use rosetta stone it's the most trusted language learning program it's available on desktop Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Impact of Influence listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 40% off. That's 40% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 40% off at rosettastone.com backslash today. So anyway, continues... Uh, and then they go back to this fact that he was starting to get secretive over the last couple of weeks. So he was becoming more secretive then. Mm-hmm. And then, was that with the whole family, including you? Yeah.
2: But um, that's when he kind of, it's like um, <clears throat> my sister would call and ask him to take her places. And, you know, he was acting normal. And then and, um, he started coming home late and going to Bamberg all the time.
0: So that comes up again. And I'm going to roll right into this where he she starts describing uh, the night before, or the night he died, and what happened leading up to him leaving the house.
2: The day, like before he left that day, um, he was at Bronson Exxon getting cigarettes from my dad, and he called me and told me his car wouldn't crank. that what time was that? Um, It was about 5.30. In the afternoon? Yes. Okay. And, um... So I checked his car, I went to go jump it off, and it's like somebody loosened his battery connections, I unscrewed it and loosened them. So I tightened them back up, and I followed him all the way home. He hopped in the shower, got out, and left at exactly six o'clock. Okay. And that was the last time. Did he
0: say where he was going to? No. All right. Interesting thing there was that little moment where she said it looked like somebody disconnected the battery. So I wonder if... There was some foul play trying to get him to have his car break down or, you know, not start or whatever. They, whoever was after him to get him. Because remember his car ran out of gas.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was found on the side of the road with, you know, with the gas tank open. So yeah, maybe there was some sort of foul play.
0: Yes. Interesting uh, take on that. So she goes on and talks about more about the fight that happened at the Bobcat landing. She doesn't know anybody names or knows who was there. And they say, "Well, we're going to look into. We're going to find out which jurisdiction was 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 doing that." She talked about Stephen never starting his clinicals, which he said he was going to do. And they address the Buster Murdoch rumors, and it's pretty obvious that Stephanie doesn't believe the Buster rumors. And here's a little clip: "Um,
2: a bunch of people like I just left the house." the first official time yesterday and I went into the store and a bunch of people kept coming up to me and they're like did you know the Murdoch boys are behind it you know saying uh, Buster Murdoch the one we went to school with did it and some of his friends and I'm just sitting here like why you know it makes no sense he's never said anything bad about Stephen he's never been around Stephen to you know I was mind boggled at that and I kind of ignored it and you know I haven't heard any more about that
0: Has anybody, has anybody talked to your mom? Now, and this is, this has anybody brought it to the attention of your mom about, you know, rumors and things like that? Has she heard anything that you know
2: of? Um, she's heard the same exact stuff I've heard, but she's more stuck on Mark did it, Mark did it, and all that, so.
0: This Mark dude, I don't know, they also at one point talk about, they believed that he was following Sandy around. I've never heard the guy I mentioned in any kind of person of interest or anything like that. Maybe just a strange guy. I don't know.
1: I mean, we've heard so many people saying Buster, 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 Stephen Smith. So to me, I found this interview very interesting. The fact that the family did not think that Buster had anything to do with it.
0: Yeah. Very beginning. Sandy was saying that Buster and Stephen were kind of friends, at least friendly. She didn't buy it at the very beginning. So Here's really interesting part, because Stephen has, she says, has run out of gas a couple of times. But his behavior, the other times he ran out of gas, were completely different. Listen to this.
2: Had he ever run out of gas before? Yes, and that was in the SUV, except um, right where he parked his car. Mm -hmm. A little farther down the road, there was this little driveway. You could barely see it. He parked the truck in there, and then he walked. And right where that fence was, where his car was, Mm -hmm. he would hide there. And he called me and my dad, and we were sitting there going back and forth on the road, asking him where he was. And he was like, you passed me. You passed me again. That's the type of person he was. He would hide.
0: Seton, how about that?
1: Yeah, I think that's why the family has had so many questions about why he was found in the middle of the road, because he would have been the type of person who would have gotten off.
0: And remember, you we, you and I have both been on that road. It's a straightaway. You see a car coming from a long way away. It's not like it sneaks up on you in a, a turn.
1: Yeah, no, you would definitely see it coming from away, especially you would
2: just see the headlights.
0: You're not going to be in the middle of the road. And there's more on the, uh, the fact that he would hide a lot. Let's listen to this.
2: Well, um, a lot of people have came up to me and said that they don't believe it's a hit and run. Because, you know, they're doing their own little investigation and they're saying it don't add up and all of this and that. Because everybody knew Stephen. Me and him would jump in the woods if we heard or saw a car. It's just uh, we did it when we were little.
0: See, there it is again, Seton, another mention of that.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, the family never believed that Stephen would be someone who would be in
0: the middle of the road. And when you hear this interview with Stephanie and you hear the interview with, with Sandy and you, uh, we know it, it's so apparent that the, the people who were the, the troopers that are interviewing them are digging in, trying to find out what happened. If they thought it was a hit and run, they would not be doing the interviews that they were doing it. I mean, they point blank say that they, in the interviews that they don't believe in their experience that this was a hit and run. And they wrap up their, with uh, Stephen's sister by saying, okay, don't tell anybody we're digging into this because we don't want word to get out. This could mess up the investigation. Don't even tell your mom or your dad, or that's why we're doing this interview with you alone. And so then the Sandy Smith interview, uh, comes up and it's a lot of talk about Mark again and, and how Mark is, you know, inserting himself into the family. And she thinks it's super weird. And she talks about how Stephen had been acting odd, In the last couple of weeks prior to his, I guess we're going to now call him murder, Stephen was going to her house all the time, every day, which was unusual, not studying like he normally did because he loved to study, but he was not doing that. So there was something odd in the last couple of weeks, according to Sandy, before this happened. And in this interview, uh, they ask her about hearing rumors. Other than Mark, other than Mark. Has anybody else? Uh, have you heard any rumors or anything like that, other, other than anything other than Mark?
2: The rumors that's going around Hampton that everybody keeps coming up to me and saying it was Murdoch boys.
0: The Murdoch boys?
2: Yes, whoever they
0: are. Okay, all right. And um, and and when you say, did they give any kind of description of what they mean, why they think it's the Murdoch boys?
2: No. But I called David Rao today because I was in town yesterday, and um, this guy named James Uh Eady said that he seen this guy that morning in a different vehicle, speeding, and then when the sirens started coming right before they got to uh, where Stephen was, he slowed down. Okay, And then... Jane said when he got to um, Exxon, that guy was coming out and she was going in, and the guy was all sweaty and jittery.
0: And we're talking about Mark?
2: No, yeah, he said, yeah, the description he gave sounded like
1: Mark.
0: Okay. So he said, it's really this Mark, 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 Mark thing. And uh, the, the Murdoch boys, she says, whoever they are, she knew they were, but I don't know. But again, no alarm went off in her head about the Murdochs, so... That whole thing was just one of those crazy small town rumors that happens, I believe. All right, scene before we wrap, get you back to uh, cocktails or the beach or whatever you're doing. Uh, what uh, else do we want to mention before we uh, put a, a bow on it?
1: Well, just a few things. I want to say that I hope what Eric Lynn has said, that there is substantial progress in this case is true And that the Smith family does get resolution to the death of their son. I mean, I think that's everyone's goal here. Um, Also, I want to say this is our two-year anniversary. And I don't know that we even recognize that. Oh, yeah. And this time last year, I was on vacation. And I left on vacation to go to Alec Murdoch's bond hearing. And now we know he's a a twice uh, convicted murderer. But... Who knew what this crazy year would bring us? And I appreciate Matt and Dwayne.
0: You're the one that uh, got this ball rolling. We had no idea what we were doing, (laughs) but we we rolled on and we are so grateful for all the listens. We love the comments, whether they're good or bad. We take them and try to get better with every uh, note. And in the ugly ones, we just... Laugh him off because that's part of the. Oh, business.
1: we we had a bad one this week. Did you see it? Oh that God,
0: no. I think yes, yes. I Sherry, think I did.
1: Sherry from Mount Pleasant said said, but she thought we were hired by the Murdoch team, and she really did not like listening to us. But I love your home, Sherry from Mount Pleasant. But I'm sorry that you, maybe you won't hear this. That you're not listening to us.
0: Yeah. Well, if. We were being paid off by the Murdochs, then Seton's taking it, because I don't have it. <laughs> I'm stashing it under my bed. Yes, that's why she's on vacation at Hillland. Yes, it's been paid for by the Murdochs. <laughs> um, They've always wondered where, Alex, where all of Alex's money went. Jeez, why am I driving a 2017 Hyundai? Jeez, this is ridiculous. Well, we,
1: did, we do need to talk about where the money next episode, we should do yep. a little bit of a talk about where the money is going, where we, the money is,
0: where the money is, baby. All right. Uh, we are always grateful. Always, always grateful. We mean it. It's a very serious sentiment and you can find us on Murdoch podcast, Facebook page and Matt Harris podcast at gmail.com. Please rate review and share the episode. Seton will be returning, we think, unless she likes it too much down there. And uh, we'll be back at it again. Dwayne, thank you. And we will talk soon, friend. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America.